tangent, to break off suddenly from a line or train of thought and pursue another course. Webster's. And thank you for downloading episode 21 of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. For those of you coming to the show for the first time, this is a show where your hosts are covering the comics that deal with characters that sprang out of the Tangent Comics fifth week event all the way back in 1997. And in this episode, we're continuing our journey through the final major storyline dealing with the Tangent characters, the 2008 maxi series Tangent Superman's Reign. In issue two, Things start to heat up as the regular DC Universe Flash and Green Lantern get transported to the Tangent Universe, and we find out what happened to the Tangent heroes over the past decade. And of course, when I say the we, I'm speaking about none other than myself, Sean Ingle, and my co-host and good friend, Mr. Michael Bradley. Hey, Michael. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to getting back into the Superman's Rain book. Last mm-hmm. time out, we uh, we kind of got a dark view of the Tangent Universe, and this this time out, we're going to explore it a little bit more, especially with the uh, Green Lantern coming back. So that's always going to be a fun thing for me. Yep, and we get uh, some clarifications, or at least some some addressing of questions we had last time, and more exploration of the world and, and the backstory. So, mm-hmm. and plus, we'll also be taking a look at the uh, history lesson done by Ron Mars at the back of the book. So, for people who are unaware of what was going on in the Tangent books, which if you've been listening to this podcast, you should know what's going on with it. But if you didn't have any idea of what was going on with these books, you got a little history lesson along as well. So that's always always great to have. Yep. But before we uh, do that, we've got a couple of emails. Do you want to take a look at that? Sure. Okay. The first off, we've got an email from Gene Hendricks. He is the host of the Hammer Strikes podcast, the Quantum Cast, Anime Freaks, and Legends of the Superheroes over at 2TrueFreaks.com. Oh, actually, let me add this one extra thing. He has a comic book fight club podcast where he pits various comic book characters against other comic book characters. And um, – if you if you like the sort of uh, polite nature of our show, uh, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't listen to Comic Book Fight Blub because that show gets a bit blue. But if you like if you're if you're okay with that, check out Comic Book Fight Club. Gene does some great shows. But he writes in with the uh, subject of his email, JLA and the end of the second wave. He says, Michael and Sean, for the last issue of this wave, I would have liked more story, but it sounds like the idea is solid, kind of like Cadmus on the JLU shows. In fact, the fact that they take the Justice League and make it up out of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, though, is a bit too close to home. It's almost like they were running out of ideas. I know you guys liked it, but I'm wondering if they could have used another book title to make up a team rather than Justice League if I would have had a problem with it. Uh, what do you think about it? Do you think that they should have done another title? Do you think it was kind of trite for them to team up the uh, – the Trinity, essentially, at the end of the book? A little bit, maybe, yeah. But I also like the idea that no matter what universe it is, you know, Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman are going to end up together on the same side fighting for what's right. Yeah, yeah, I, so, I, I can agree with that. You know, the, There's just I, a nice, uh, you know, parallel and consistency there um but but no i can totally see what gene is saying too so i'm, I'm kind of split on it yeah i i agree i it, it makes sense in whatever universe they're in 
you're in that these superheroes are going to find a way to team up. You know, it does seem, like I said, kind of trite that it did team up at the end of the book. But I think, again, with the limited page count and you not being able to tell the expansive stories that you did in the first run kind of led to this feeling sort of tacked on. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, in my opinion. Gene continues, as I've said before, thank you for doing this. I think that this wave has some less originality than the first wave, partially due to the number of revisits, but overall, it still sounds enjoyable. I'm looking towards the next section with mixed feelings, as I have, ha- as I have some experience with Superman's reign, but it also means you're closing in on the end, Gene. Yeah, well, so far, I hope you're enjoying the Superman's reign book. I, of the first two issues that we've covered, well, or going to be covering i've i've been i've been really enjoying it mm-hmm. i've i think it's an interesting story and uh there's some nice things being seeded in the book so definitely but thank right, well, you thank you gene for your email and you know thank you for always listening and always writing in gene has written in just about every episode i think so i really appreciate that oh definitely uh, next up, though, we have an iTunes review, and this is the first uh, iTunes review we've gotten for a while, so thank you very much. This is from Piper Ruth, and the subject is World's Finest Podcasters, and five stars. And the review reads, Grab your Buana Beast cookies, Green Arrow Cola, and listen to this show. Michael and Sean make great tour guides for the Tangent Universe. Their ebullient attitudes, passion for the source material, and interaction with listeners makes this a fun and, at times, hilarious show. These veteran podcasters have great chemistry and know how to produce an entertaining show every time out of the gate. Love the music to establish the mood during synopses. I would buy these guys a Blue Devil beer. <laughs> I'd, I would take you up on that Blue Devil beer. That sounds delicious. But thank you, Piper Ruth. I really appreciate you mm-hmm. writing in and posting an iTunes review. iTunes reviews definitely help us get the word out. iTunes is probably one of the best-known podcatchers out there. So uh, if you guys want to write an iTunes review, that'll help uh, promote the show even more than anything that we could possibly be doing. So thank you again, Piper Ruth, for doing that. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't want to leave an iTunes review, you can always go and just rate the show on iTunes, which also helps. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now we have six five-star ratings and one four-star. So That's, That's not bad. Right. So I can't complain about that. Thank you, everyone, for doing that. Uh, I guess we have one more email this time out, and this one is from Patrick Corrin. He's the uh, co-host of Make Dad Read Comics, and uh, his uh, email says, I love the show. Uh, He starts off saying, hey, Mike, first off, I'm loving the Parallel Lines podcast. You dug up my issues, and I read along with you and the guest. Hey. You're not a guest. You're a co-host. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll be the guest co-host today. Uh, he says the Green Lantern show was awesome. I guess I'm stuck with I'm stuck in fourth grade as well because I was laughing my ass off. Did we do something? <laughs> to, did we comment on something on the Green Lantern show that was hilarious? Unfortunately, there, were, there was a little humor that was a little fourth grade. Okay, well, I I'm Bone certain. That, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. I guess, yes, we were a bit of fourth grade humor there. Uh, Patrick continues, also, I think Peter David was pretty checked out compared to the other writers. And I agree with the Mayhew art is perfect and Lois Lane would be a merc. And that's, of course, from Patrick Corrin. Thank you, Patrick, for writing in. And uh, I guess I'll be co-hosting this show or uh, guesting on this show for the next uh, what next uh, ten or so episodes? You're you're a fifty episode co-host or fifty episode <laughs> guest, uh, the but, the longest guest host ever. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Patrick, for the email. Patrick is co-host of a show called Make Dad Read Comics, which I, I don't know the URL for that right off the hand. But if you Google Make Dad Read Comics, I'm sure it'll come up, and it's on iTunes and and several other podcast. Uh, catchers or feeds or whatever uh but it's a their show is really great um patrick co-hosts it with his dad uh patrick has been a lifelong comic book reader and his dad has not um he often saw comics as 
basically a waste of time. And um, over the past 80 or 85 episodes, Patrick has been exposing his dad to a, a wide range of of comics from indie stuff to Marvel and DC to uh, obscure titles that even I've never heard of. And um, you can tell that over the course of the show, Patrick's dad has slowly started to come around on comics a little bit. You know, he he may never end up being a uh, as big a fan as Patrick or myself or Sean, but you know, he, he his views on the comic books are changing. And the show is really good. Patrick and his dad have a really good rapport and relationship, and you can tell that there's just a lot of affection and, and they have a lot of fun together. So, I, I strongly recommend you check out Patrick's show. Yeah, I, I, once I got this email, I had heard his promos on other shows, and I thought, well, it's just a, start, a show that, that just started out. I'll go give it a check out. When I looked, he's got 80-plus episodes, mm. so I went and started and picked out some of them. Uh, starting at the beginning, yes, his father was very uninterested, didn't really know what was going on, didn't know the structure of comic books. But uh, by the time uh, – I think the latest one – he posted it at the time of this recording was one on uh, the New 52. I think it was something with New 52 Booster Gold. I think it was one of those trades. Mm-hmm. And it talked about how Booster Gold is having to travel back in time to try and make sure all these events happen. But he can't allow anyone to know that he's being a hero. So he has to portray himself as a jerk. And I think his dad really enjoyed a lot of that book. And he, his, like like you said, his dad is finally kind of getting what's going on with comics, even though that he might not be a person who's going to say, oh, I want to go and start a poll list at a comic book shop anytime soon. But yeah, you can definitely tell that these two have a love for each other. And uh, it, it's it's just a fun show to listen to. Yeah. So definitely, definitely check that out. And thank you again, Patrick, for, for writing in. We really do appreciate it. Yep. Uh, but this episode, we're going to get into the meat of stuff here with Tangent Superman's Reign number 2, which has a cover date of June 2008 and was released April 16th, 2008. Uh, the, uh, the cover is by Carlos Pacheco and Jesus Marino. And credits for the inside story are Dan Jurgens' writer, Jamal Eigel Pencils, Robin Riggs Inks, Steve Wan's Letters, yeah, Letters, Dom Reagan Colors, Nachi Castro Editor. Was that the same editor as the first issue? Or did they switch on us? No, I think it was Nachi Castro. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nachi for the Cast- same editor. Okay. Nachi Castro Editor, Tangent Universe created by Dan Jurgens. And the uh, 17-page lead story is simply titled Superman's Reign, Chapter 2. As Tangent Flash, DC Flash, and DC Green Lantern arrive in a cemetery on Earth-9, the Tangent Green Lantern reclaims her lantern, which restores her power and youthful appearance in the process. After learning that Wally and John can't return home because their travel to Earth-9 was at the whim of the lantern, Leah worries their visitors could be in danger if they are discovered by The Question, an AI global surveillance program and presumably unrelated to the question from the JLA issue. Standing at the grave of Mary Marvel, Tangent Green Lantern offers to give Wally and John some backstory, and uses her power to resurrect Mary's alter ego, the Joker. Meanwhile, in a session of the New Era Indoctrination Program, Lori Lamaris does her own reflection on the past, but is suddenly very confused when the class's teacher appears to turn into the techno-sorcerer Hex right before her eyes. Back at the cemetery, the resurrected Mary Marvel Joker recounts the events that led to her death, beginning with The Purge. No, not that terrible Ethan Hawke movie, but a series <laughs> <laughs> but a series of attacks launched by the Superman in order to send potential challengers to jail, or worse. Near the White House, the Joker and the rest of the Secret Six were locked in battle with the Firestorm Troopers, now in league with the Superman. The heroes were about to emerge victorious when the Superman himself arrived, easily taking out the team. He then abducted the Joker and subjected her to psychic interrogation, ultimately killing her once he had obtained the information he wanted. As Leah and Joker mourn the latter's death, Wally tells John they have to do something, but John says they first need to find out more information. Alone. In Saudi Arabia, the Superman is putting a rich oil baron and king in his place 
when he senses the heroes of the Tangent Universe are coming for him again, and that this time they have more help. But elsewhere, Manhunter, Pooch, and the Spectre continue their assault on the stronghold where the Atom is being held. Knowing time is short, the Spectre prepares to free the Atom, but is stopped short when he's confronted by Jade and Obsidian, who have no qualms with taking him out. To be continued. Very nice. Very nice. This, uh, once again, even though this is turning out to be a very grim tale, I'm really interested about the way things are shaping out. Yeah. Um, it's playing out the story of how Tangent Superman, someone who's so evolved over everyone else in the world, would use his powers to try and bring, bring peace to the planet. I guess there's sort of shades of Dr. Manhattan from The Watchmen in there as well. And I'm really interested to see how, now that Jon Stewart and the Wally West Flash are over here in this universe, how they're going to work against or work in combination with the Tangent Heroes to try and maybe take down the Tangent Universe Superman. Mm-hmm. It, like I said, it's it's really interesting setup. It's a really good story. And also I have to say – I had some problems with Matthew Clark's artwork in the last issue. Yeah. Jamal Eigel is is a different beast altogether. I really like Jamal Eigel's oh, yeah. art in the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked I, – I really did like the shift in art, and I'm sure – well, I know we'll talk a lot more about Eigel as we go through it page by page. Uh, but this was a very much um, – Exposition and backstory heavy issue, but it really felt like it kept things rolling along. Um, it was another good chapter, and like you, I'm interested in where the story is going forward. And you know, now that the setup is mostly done, and I'm sure things will get even more crazy as we get to future issues when the rest of the DC heroes get involved. Yep. And and I'm also kind of amused. Just real quick, I'm also kind of amused that most of the questions I had last episode were answered or at least addressed in this issue. Cool. That's uh, once again good storytelling by Dan Jurgens. Yeah. By and uh, uh, it's good to have Dan Jurgens back in the book. That essentially working with the creator or working with the characters that he created. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. But uh, if you're if you're ready, uh, we'll go ahead and take a little break, and then we'll come back with specific notes on the issue. Okay. Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961. Onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that Taste forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team-Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? My name is Bob Fisher, and I host a podcast called Superman Forever Radio. In every episode, I'll take an aspect of this character's long okay, history. Okay, I'm ready. Do you want to bring it back in and I'll take us out? Yeah, I can bring it in. Okay, that's fine. From the comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, Superman has been part of my life for over 50 years. And if you'd like to know why, join me for each and every episode of Superman Forever Radio. So point your favorite podcatcher to Superman Forever Radio. That's Superman Forever Radio. SupermanForever.com off with the cover um Mm -hmm. i don't know about you but i kind of keep going back and forth on whether i like this one more than the cover to issue one or not um again it's a really good depiction of both characters uh tangent green lantern looks fantastic Mm -hmm. and and john looks good and i like the way they used her uh cloak or her cape to create a star field for for john to be flying through 
It, it really blends the two characters together nicely, even though they aren't meant to be in the same space. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even notice that that her cloak is sort of you know it, it gives her a sort of specter like feel with her cloak sort of flying yeah. out to the right side of the of the page and John flying through that. The only thing is. Uh, that I could comment negatively is I'm wondering where John's left leg, it could be obscured a bit by the sort of green energy coming from the right side. Mm. Uh, but um, I'm looking, I don't see, you can kind of see an outline of it behind some of that green energy, but it's a, it's, I agree. Looking at these two covers side by side, it's hard to say which one I would consider the better. I might have to put the flash one just because it's just so joyous it's so light and bright and vibrant um but that's not detracting in any way from this cover this is a good cover and uh, yeah like i i don't think i don't think the green lantern the tangent green lantern has been drawn this well since we've seen jh williams do her so. no <laughs> hmm. Hmm. um yeah i'd agree with that moving into the book uh I like the on page one. I like the use of the nine panel grid. We don't get that very often in comic books. That's a sort of standard trope of the Silver Age, uh, you know, and, and more more on the Marvel side using the nine panel grid. But I like that way that it shows the progression of the rejuvenation of the Green Lantern on this page. Yeah, really, really nice job by Jamal Eichel and, and Robin Riggs illustrating that restoration of her uh, youthful appearance and her power. Mm-hmm. And you can see, uh, you know, on the like the third and the sixth panel, how she's going from the very old to the next panel. She's smiling, and then the panel after that, she's she's back to almost her complete youthful appearance. It's it's a good job by uh, mm-hmm. Michael. Does some great job with the artwork. Yes. Page two. I was sad to see that the Jamal Eigel, though of the uh, of Earth Nine, is apparently dead. Yeah, that's, that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> well, thankfully we've got Earth Ones here to do this this awesome splash page. Yes. I, I think I think Leah looks great. She doesn't look she doesn't have that uncomfortable you know uniform. I think she looks fine. She's got a little bit of twinkle in her eye, which works. You know, the fact that she's a being made of light. I also like the flag the fact that the Flash is using his sort of spinning his arms. To stop his descent thing, yeah, that's that's one of those Silver Age things that you'd see the Flash doing, you know, you know, spinning in a circle or moving his arms to propel himself down or stop him from falling. It's it's great. And John, you know, I haven't commented on John. John looks great as well in this. A lot of times, artists don't get the character of John Stewart quite right, and I think Jamal Eigel does a great job with him here. He mm-hmm. looks imposing, but he doesn't look like ultra beefy. So right. it's great. I, I love the just sheer joy and exuberance on Leah's face and that on the splash. Oh yeah, he, I, I think that's the one thing that I like most about Igel is he gets facial characteristics. And I, one of my favorite artists who does—I'm uh, trying to remember his name—he used to do the JLA issues uh, during the or the JLI issues during the Keith Giffen run. Oh, what's his name? Oh, ah, uh, Kevin McGuire. Yeah, Kevin McGuire, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, Kevin McGuire was amazing at doing facial expressions and making each person look distinct and showing through just subtle changes in their face how characters were reacting to something. And I think Igel has that same ability here yes. to draw facial expressions, just little minor changes of them that make – that show – how expressive or how the character is feeling right the, on page three there's some really great examples of that like you know, the bottom panel where you've got the tangent green lantern and a flash on one side looking kind of surprised and everything and it's great mm-hmm. uh, also on that page i do have to comment that uh leah mentions that we've got the two flashes and the two <laughs> green lanterns of parallel worlds on there yeah and again it's just hearkening back to those crossovers with the jla and the jlsa from from the silver and bronze age that i just loved very nice (laughs) john and and wally are kind of jerks on that page three though Mm, yeah john makes fun of tangent green lantern right when he first sees her wally instead of being happy that Leah is finally home or just happy to meet heroes from another universe, he just assumes they've been spied on and then complains about wanting to go home. You know what, Wally? Leah was trapped on your world for months. Just chill out for a second. 
Yeah. Not, I'm thinking it's DiDio's doing. Let's blame it on him. I'm not. I'm Earth Nine DiDio or Earth One DiDio. Earth One DiDio. Okay. Earth Nine DiDio actually wants his characters to to be in uh, <laughs> happy places. Unfortunately, it's just not happening because of the tangent Superman. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, page four. Um, we kind of learn how uh, Lantern or how the how the tangent Green Lantern lost her lantern because she said it was ripped away uh, in the great blending of universes. So apparently it happened during Infinite Crisis, which, hmm. you know, well, that makes, at, le- at least they addressed it. Yeah, that, that makes sense that there was some sort of something happened during Infinite Crisis. And uh, once again, another shakeup with the DC multiverse causing these things to happen. So that's a, that's a good enough explanation. Right. Once again, I've got to comment on the artwork on this page. Uh, that middle panel once again jamal eichel does a really great job of expressing how upset she is yeah upset Mm -hmm. that leah is because she unintentionally brought wally and john to this universe and they may be trapped here and it's it's exactly how i think uh, a a teen girl would act if she found out that you know it's if this happened Uh, it's like i said i can't comment highly enough about how Eichel's artwork during this on this book is, or how great it is. Here's something you you just I didn't I didn't make a note about this because I didn't want to sound like I'm being nitpicky. But is she still a teenager? Because if she was 17 in the original, and this is 10 years later, that's true. Now she's now she's got to be like post college age 27. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like none of the characters have really aged 10 years, even though this is set 10 years later. Which yeah. is, a, is a comic book thing, you know. Batman yeah. never ages, but Dick Grayson did. Yeah, it so. is that sort of sort of weird. Well, Marvel is more known for the sort of sliding time scale. As time yeah. passes, the characters just happen to to stay at the same age. So, yeah, it would be more. She should be more that kind of you know post college graduate type person. But you know, I, I guess we can just once again call comics on it and yeah. just leave it at that but yeah that is, that is a good point i will give you that um I on wonder- this page oh, go ahead no, go i was ahead. gonna say on this page uh they mentioned the question being a ai which sort of is much like i guess brother eye or whatever that we had in the in the regular dc universe and uh i'm glad that it's not the question from the jla thing <laughs> because he because he would sniper snipe people out of his little visor that mm-hmm. covered up his eyes <laughs> still bugged about that uh i wonder if leah not getting the big brother reference was because there is no george orwell 1984 in the tangent universe or if she was just too young to get the reference mm, i don't know i don't know i would put money on that there's no tangent parallel of George Orwell rather than the fact that, you know, she didn't just, you know, that they didn't teach that because I think even my kids, my older daughter probably knows a little bit about George Orwell. I don't know if she's read Animal Farm or 1984, but I'm certain she knows the reference at least. Yeah. Well, it's part of the, part of the culture, I think now, Big Brother, Mm -hmm. you know. Oh yeah. And on the, on the next page, she knows what dystopian means. So she's not stupid. Yeah. But. Well, I'm, and that's I'm glad that once again, like the character, the character of the Flash. I'm glad that she's kind of ebullient and light and fun loving. But yes, she's not. She's not clueless. An airhead, right? Yes, yeah, she's not an airhead. She is the daughter of of you know scientists. She is the daughter of people who went into space. So she's not. She's not supposed to be ditzy. She's right. just kind of fun loving. She and, and and she was kind of portrayed that way in the book. You know, she knew what was going on, but she just played this role of being kind of airheaded. Right. Um, kind of wonder if we're going to see her dad in this series at any point. Uh, if if we do, I hope it's not in a comedic role. I hope that he in some way redeems himself. Or he's the, he's the real villain of the piece. Oh, it's he's the one who's manipulating Superman. Yep. I think that's that's going to be we're going to see that in issue six probably. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but, but page on the same page though we get the appearance of the Joker who looks great. Mm-hmm. More praise for Jamal Igel. 
yes, the, he he does a great deal. You know, again, uh, yeah, I can't I can't talk negatively about Jamal Michael. He does a wonderful job. She looks in proportion. She looks really great. And the fact that it's Mary Marvel, yeah, obviously we know Lori Lamaris is alive, but but Mary Marvel died. We don't know what happened to Madame Xanadu. This is uh, again, it's great storytelling, building up to this sort of interesting thing. This making you want to know what happened in the Tangi universe for all these things to to turn so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a note until page seven. That's where I'm at too. Yeah. Just to point out the hex appears. Yes, I, I'm sorry, and it's going to make me sound like a fan fan girl here, but actually, when I saw this panel. I kind of squeed. I really <laughs> did. I was like, "Oh my god, Hex is in the book. What does this mean?" I am so because we haven't had any interaction with the characters from Nightwing or Nightwing Night Force since the second issue and after that so many of those characters were decimated. We had right. members of Doom Patrol lost. We had um oh, you know, we had uh what's his name? Uh Gravedigger lost. Mhm. You know, uh, they were all drawn into the ultra humanite. Hex was, uh, you know, felt dismissed because his spells couldn't save them. And now we get this little pop up that he's kind of working undercover. It's a great little seeding of, you know, what might be coming up in the book. And I, I, like I said, I was just really excited. And who thought I'd be excited to see the guy who was just drawn as being ridiculously over the top in those. Yeah, the very 90s character. My first thought was that this was a hallucination she was having, but then I got to thinking that the Joker never, as far as we know, interacted with Hex. Yeah. So they don't know each other that we know of, you know. Well, but then again, there's 10 years of history between them. Right. You know, between the last run and here, so maybe there was some sort of interaction, and him showing up was definitely seated here to let her know that there's more going on than what she knows about. Yeah. Uh, but then on page eight, we get a few pages of backstory about how the Superman took over. Um, apparently not long after the end of the second wave, because the date on Mary Marvel's tombstone is 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we don't get any mention of the ultra humanite or how that was dealt with. So that's kind of disappointing. Um, and we don't know how Superman went from how he was depicted in the JLA book to now, so hopefully those will be addressed. But it was interesting to see the quote-unquote last stand, so to speak, of the Secret Six, and, and they addressed the Joker questions I had. Um, Mary Marvel was killed, but the Joker – or sorry, but Laurie wasn't, so Madame Xanadu possibly could still be out there. We don't really know. Yeah, exactly. He he mentioned that Mary was in the guise of the Joker helping out the team, helping out the Secret Six at the time, and she was the one who was teleported away, and Superman scanned her telepathically and supposedly got all her information out of her and then killed her by stopping her heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – that's just really – that's really dark and, you know uh, – when we when we covered the Superman tale in the second run, we kind of I think we kind of commented that we really enjoyed the tale, but he had this sort of mysterious a bit of darkness to him. And it looks like it's just sort of manifested even greater over this course mm-hmm. of time. And you kind of wonder like in, in the last issue in the sort of backup thing, we saw the entire tangent heroes universe working together we're wondering did something go wrong with them was there a falling out we don't know yet and i'm looking forward to see what happens with all this yeah maybe he just uh i don't know we we could speculate but yeah mm-hmm. um i, I guess it's I, I did find it interesting that the, the firestorm troopers are now apparently working for or serving the superman because they were Nightwing agents before, and it seems to me that Nightwing and the Superman would be opposed to one another. Mm-hmm. So, how that came about is a question. And in yeah. fact, what happened to Nightwing at all hasn't really been touched on. That's so true. I, I look forward to finding that out. And also, uh, later in the story, Superman mentions the Dark Circle. Yeah. 
uh, yeah. which was now the Dark Circle worked specifically with Nightwing. So, or did that work with no Meridian was the other one because the Dark right. Circle was the one that was worked with. Uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Theolonius Creeper. The Creeper. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's it, it, there. There are so many little seeds here being put forth that just make me want to read more of the book. Um. I'm going to comment just a little bit more on uh, page 13, I guess, the art where uh, the Joker and Leah are embracing and the rain's falling down on her. And you, you see you see her hair all mussed up. And it, it's mm-hmm. uh, again, it's just really amazing art by Eichel. He he captures the sort of moody, dramatic feel of it all. Just really it, it's really subtle, but really detailed at the same time. Mm-hmm. It captures a lot of emotion and weight. With just very simple images, I think, and, and 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 as you also see, as the the rain starts to fall, you see sort of sparkles, sort of shimmering around Leah, sort of like the rain is hitting her and uh, illuminating off her. It's just, mm-hmm. it's really interesting and phenomenal art throughout all of this. I'm a little curious why John seems to doubt the story. I guess it's good that he's not taking everything at face value, but I don't know. Maybe maybe the idea – I don't know. Well, you know, you've got to kind of wonder – How you know, I don't know how much John had to do with the Infinite Crisis storyline, whether he – you know, because I know he was very involved in the crisis on Infinite Earths. So technically he should have known about the merging of universes and the idea behind multiverses. But maybe it's just his sort of – Green Lantern policing, you know, his police cop, you know, sort of ideals that makes him think that we should, quote unquote, trust but verify. Hmm. Maybe that's, that's it. Point. That's a good point. Um, I didn't have anything about the uh, Superman dealing with the Arab issues. Like, well, I, I did have a little thing. This does kind of seem akin to the idea of Superman in the Golden Age, of Superman <laughs> being a. A, a crusader for social justice and mm-hmm. if there's anything you could say positive about the tangent of Superman in this book at least he's kind of referencing that or going back to that idea I had a very similar note because j- just the way he talks about um, when, he talks about when the people the king is subjugated to come for him he's not going to intercede and that was the kind of thing the golden age Superman would have done you know he had his he, he had his own brand of justice and if you were a criminal he had no problem letting bad stuff happen to you, especially if it was a direct result of what you'd done. So and I'm amused that you got the same kind of vibe I did as far as referencing the Golden Age Superman. Oh, yeah, that's that's definitely what I saw here. But it's just he he's amped it up, you know, he's amped it up to 11 and it he's taken it in a, in a sort of darker way than I would think the Golden Age Superman would do it. Superman in the Golden Age, I think, was always a force for good and right. Yeah. And he would, yes, allow those things to befall people who were committing crimes. But this one is actively – it seems to be more active in allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Last episode, you talked about the guy that tried to help – Green Lantern by taking her to the, the healthcare clinic. Yes. And he had the little ornament on his hat. Mm-hmm. And I said to put a pin in that and we'd reference it this episode. Does that remind you of the little uh circles on his on Superman's robe? Yeah, now looking at that on that page where we see that uh splash of Superman there, that does kind of look like that. I'm wondering if that's And is that a s- coincidence or is there something else there? I'm not certain. Once we'll have to keep our eye open for that more in the book. But I'm not. I, I you know I I don't have any of the other books in front of me. I don't know if that was a part of his uniform when we read the Superman book or when he was in the JLA. So maybe this is something that they put in there to sort of seed things going on in the book. I'm looking right now. Yes, those were. I'm looking at the original Superman issue, and those were part of his costume then. Okay. Or well, outfit. Maybe that's just some sort of symbol, like the Nightwing symbol, to show mm-hmm. that these people are in some way mm-hmm. in league with Superman and and uh, looking after him. Hmm. So, 
Another mystery to think about going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next page, I, this this oh the splash page. I love oh, this yeah. page so much. Just every mm-hmm. single character looks fantastic, and it's all yes. it's all on Jamal Igle. Mm-hmm. Now we don't see we don't see the uh, we only see the sort of symbols of the uh, the regular DC universe characters. Right. See the Flash symbol and Green Lantern's ring, but yeah, Superman looks great. The the tangent Flash and tangent Green Lantern look great. You've got images of the Manhunter on one side and the Spectre on the other. It's just it is glorious. Mm-hmm. I I know they're going to have sort of a rotating host of uh, artists throughout the book, but I think Jamal Eigel does a lot of art in the book, and I'm looking forward to that because I'm loving his stuff here. While we're talking about art, I learned something, and I should have mentioned this last time. Matthew Clark penciled the first issue. Apparently, Dan Jurgens was originally going to pencil the first issue and then hand off to Jamal Eigel, but Jurgens' schedule was too tight, and they ended up having to get Matthew Clark to do the first issue and then hand off to Dan, to Jamal Eigel. Oh, well, that that kind of makes sense. It would have been nice if uh, if uh, Jurgens could have done it, and I think Eigel has uh, has more of a commonality with Jurgens than I think Matthew Clark did. But that's not saying that Matthew Clark's art was bad. It just wasn't as good as what we're seeing here. Right. Um, I think the violence here on, I'm guessing, page 15 with the Manhunter going through the people, it's it's not as grotesque as what we saw in the other one. It's more sort of just, you know, more sort of action-adventure type mm-hmm. violence. Well, the one guy's getting shot in the head. But yeah, it, it still doesn't seem as graphic as last issue. Yeah, there, and at the, at the top panel, there's someone who's being skewered through the uh, chest with the sword. But it's again, it's not quite as right, not quite as graphic. So uh, I, I get again we, giving credit to Jamal Eagle. We don't have the geysers of blood and yes, yeah. Thank goodness, <laughs> everyone's everyone's p everyone's you know internal blood flow is pumped up to ninety psi. Um, My last note isn't on until the last page. Same here. All right. I, I have a feeling the Spectre isn't going to end up dead at Jade and Obsidian's hand, but I will say that I was both surprised and happy to see them pop up here at the end for another pretty good cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's – and I don't think we've really seen Obsidian in this form. Uh, last time I remember seeing was in – it was in the Nightwing Night Force story. Didn't and he? We, didn't he die in that issue? I'm trying to remember. I think I thought that you know it was they helped. Jaden Obsidian came around and helped. Yeah, well, he came. He he went with the uh, the Ultra Humanite. He was uh, yeah. merged into the Ultra Humanite. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's another mystery we have here. So. But yeah, this is a this is another great cliffhanger ending, you know. Uh, and uh, of course, Eichel does a great job of giving the sort of look of concern of the Spectre. And <laughs> of course, the, the uh oh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great way to end the book. Yeah. Uh, but after that, we've got another five page backup, which continues the uh, the backstory of the Tangent Universe, and this is titled History Lesson Chapter Two, and it was. Credits are Ron Mars Writer, Fernando Passera in Pencils, Jesse Delperdang Inks, Dom Reagan Colors, Steve Wands Letters, Nachi Castro Editor. And our story picks up with a limousine driving along a busy highway to an unknown destination. Inside are the computer hacker, who we learn is Guy Gardner, alias Detective Chimp, and the woman in black, who introduces herself as Jennifer Hayden. And Guy continues telling what he knows, including the story of the Metal Men's mission to retrieve the Red Tornado, the fateful standoff between Marcus Moore and Sam Schwartz, and the fates of all the Metal Men after the war, up to and including the birth of Power Girl. He then laments that none of it really matters now with the Superman in charge, but Jennifer tells him that she is associated with people who would like to see Superman's reign come to an end, and that they're headed someplace where Guy will be able to work for them, privately again this is another essentially history lesson for the tangent universe mm-hmm. this one covering predominantly the metal men issue but also delving a little bit into power girl and you know talking a bit about the Schwartz presidency uh, again I like the artwork by Pasarin 
I think it's uh, it's really nice, and it melds better with uh, Jamal Eigel's work than it did with Matthew Clark's. Um, yeah, Passeron is a good choice for the art because his style isn't extremely superhero-ish, but he can do action and the superhero type stuff, so it's not all, you know, talking heads either, and, and that's needed since the original books covered such a diverse amount of characters. Mm-hmm. I, I am glad that we get uh, Ron Mars writing Guy Gardner and Jenny Hayden <laughs> together. I think that's uh, a bit of, uh, I don't know if you'd call it irony, but I guess less synchronicity, you know, him being able to tackle these two right. characters, even though they are the uh, Tangent Universe versions of them. Uh, i I found it amusing that Guy is now Detective Chimp, so that's always funny. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed this. It was uh, a nice way to sort of give a history of the Metal Man and uh, how they uh, panned out, and uh, you know where various members of the Metal Man went. Yep. Yeah, I don't have much to say about it either, um, except to echo what I said last time about being happy that they're doing this backup where they can do a full history and not have to to cram it all into the story. Um, even though it was all repeat information for us, you know, so far anyway, I, I think it would be a huge help for people reading this the first time through who hadn't read the original books. Exactly, and you know, to be honest, it, the the actual story, the Superman's brain part of the story, even though it's not a twenty-two page story, it doesn't feel truncated in any way. It doesn't feel like it's the the lack of those couple of pages is diminishing the uh, overall Superman's reign story all that much. Right. So so they're balancing out really well by telling an interesting story with the Superman's reign main story and doing the little five page backups to uh, fill in all the uh, missing information that you would have had that would that would have bogged down the story if it were actually a part of the Superman's reign part. Agreed. But yeah, this was, this was another great issue. Uh, it, it has a really good ending. It makes me want to pick up the next issue, but unfortunately we're going to have to wait two weeks till that next issue, mm. till we talk about that next issue. <laughs> Sadly. Have you looked at the next issue? I have not yet. I okay. need to pull it out and check it out, but I know next time out uh, we're going to be covering issue three. Who's, who's on the cover of that one? Um, Batman? Question mark. Yes. The Batmans. Ooh, that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, they'll be able to flesh out the uh, tangent Batman character a little bit more. Unfortunately, he was the one that we were. Uh, he was the, for for lack of a better term, he was the Sea Devils of the second wave of the tangent books. Uh, Wonder Woman, I think maybe. Okay, yeah, that's that's true. But I um, I'll be interesting to see that, and I'll be interesting to see how they interact with the uh, or how they inject the. Uh, original DC Universe Batman in it and what's going to be going on with that and whether he's going to have any interaction. So mm-hmm. I- I'm looking forward to it as always. Yes. But thank you all for very much. For very I, I, I honestly can speak sometimes. <laughs> we are professional. Me and speak good. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> thank you all very much for listening. Um, as always, if you want to write in, you can send your emails to tangent at greatcrypton.com or you can leave uh, comments on the website or on iTunes or contact us on Facebook. But until next time, Bye, everyone. See ya. <laughs> oh, so there's a reason we're not getting paid for this. Yes. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> just finished listening to Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast, hosted by me, Michael Bradley, and me, Sean Ingle. The show can be downloaded from a variety of places, most notably Michael's website, greatcrypton.com, where you can find show notes, cover images, and a section for leaving comments about the episodes. It also can be found on iTunes by searching for Parallel Lines. And if you happen to use iTunes, please take some time out to leave a review maybe even a five-star one. 
Every review helps more people find out about the show. The show is also on Facebook, where you can like us and get updates when new shows are posted. Plus, images, plot elements, and general discussion about the books can be found there as well. Want to send feedback about the episode? Send us an email at tangent at greatcrypton.com. All feedback is warmly welcomed, and we will definitely read your comments on the show. When Michael and I aren't doing shows about alternate DC Comics history, we're busy doing tons of other geeky stuff on the internet. For instance, Michael does a podcast about Superman and Batman team-ups, cleverly titled Superman and Batman. And Sean hosts a number of podcasts, including Just One of the Guys, Walking Dead Wednesday, The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Listen to the Prophets, and Who True Freaks. And all of these shows can be found over at twotruefreaks.com. Speaking of Two True Freaks, if you ever feel like making a purchase from Amazon.com, please use the Amazon link at twotruefreaks.com. After clicking the link, any purchase you make at Amazon will shoot a percentage of money back to the Two True Freaks website. It won't cost you anything extra, but it really helps out a great bunch of podcasters. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next time for another episode of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Because in the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. A very special thank you to Professor Alan Middleton for providing this episode's intro. Alan is host of the Quarterbin Podcast and co-host of the Shortbox Showcase. Be sure to check out these and all the shows on the Relatively Geeky Network at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com.